0: I am I know I say this often but today I'm especially excited um, in our series we're in a series called the generosity paradox and the the thing I'm preaching today the sermon I'm preaching today has me so excited that I'm now stuttering Uh, uh, the generosity paradox is a series that we're in where we're talking about this this paradoxical truth that we find in Scripture And we see it all through scripture and it applies in multiple areas of our life not just financially but in all areas of our life and it's called a generosity paradox and a paradox is a statement that seems like it can't be true a statement that when you first hear it you go how does that work how is that possible that just seems non-nonsensical but the more you live you realize actually no this is a real truth it just sounds like it can't be true when you first hear it and so we see this generosity paradox throughout the scripture uh, we've been focusing on one passage of Scripture, and I'm going to read that Scripture today to get us started. It's out of Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, and it says this. It says, One person gives freely and yet gains even more. Paradox. How can you give and have more? Because when you give, you should have less. Correct? Math. Right? You give, and then there's less. And the, and, the, and the paradox of the Bible says, wait, one person gives freely and yet gains even more. And then it does the reverse. Another withholds unduly, unjustly. In other words, they don't even give what they should give. And I'm not just talking about fineness. I'm talking about forgiveness. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about service, right? You just You just hoard everything to yourself, and yet they come to poverty. Now, how is that possible? How can you come to poverty if you just keep everything that you've got? Right? Seems like you should be fine. And then it says this, a generous person will prosper. A generous person, a person who pours themselves out, will actually expand. Prosper means to expand. It means to grow larger. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others, and in the Hebrew, it's actually uh, almost a, a, a water term, right? Whoever soaks somebody else or saturates somebody else with refreshment will themselves be refreshed paradox it's a paradox so today what i'm going to preach on for the next few moments is a sermon that i'm calling the mystery of margin the mystery of margin let's pause let's bow our heads let's pray god help us to open our hearts to this truth help us to lay aside our fear and our skepticism and our cynicism and open our hearts to experience the beauty and the truth of your word. God, I pray that I would speak this in a way that is clear and that is useful and that is powerful in people's lives. And I pray that all of us would hear it and that it would sink deep into our heart, take root and transform us. We thank you and praise you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Question. How many of you like to show up to the airport early, let me see your hands oh we got some we got some that 's why you 're at the early service because you 're early people. Let me get some detail on this. Let me drill down on this. How many of you when I say early you 're talking about an hour early about an hour okay there's a lot there's some good hours yep how about are there some two hour people in the house okay there's some two hour people right Let me just ask you, are there any three hour people there's some three like like, like you could actually drive to your destination in the amount of time that you spent at the airport. I got you. I got you. Okay. We all are built differently. I get it. Now, let me ask you, just kind of just, you don't have to volunteer. How many of you are kind of on the other end of the spectrum? You like to show up at the airport. and Let me put this how you would put it. Right on time. How many of you? Many of you <laughs> right on time. Right on time. How many of you have found yourself... How many of you found yourself running through the terminal at the airport? I mean, I'm, book, I'm talking about booking. I'm talking about booking. I'm talking about running. Yeah. How many of you have heard your name <laughs> over the loudspeaker? <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is the final boarding call, Mr. Rome. Right? Right? You've heard that. Um, I was trying to find a visual. I got, I, this, this is kind of how it feels every once in a while when you're, when you're late to the airport. Let me, let me see that that visual back there, guys, if you have, have, how many of you just know, this has been you, you're like, you don't want to break into a full run, but you're just like, you know what I'm talking about, all right, you can take it down, (laughs) at our, at our last trip, Rebecca and I, we, we actually got to the airport on time, we got through, we got through security on time, everything was fine, totally fine, we had time to spend. And we said, you know, we have so much time. Why don't we sit down and get a little bite to eat? So we sat down and got a bite to eat. We had some laughs. We had a good time. We're chit-chatting. We're having a great time. And suddenly, I look down at my watch. I go, they're boarding right now. They're boarding. And we were in Denver. We were in the Denver airport. And so, I don't know if you've been there, but it's like 18 miles long. And so, we're just running. We're just running. And my wife is not as fast as me. Let me just put... So I'm like, look, I'm going to... I will wait, I will not fly away without you, but I gotta get to the gate before they go. And then I just leave her in the dust, and I'm flying, I'm running as fast as I can. I literally get to the gate, and they are literally closing the gate. I'm like, wait, wait. They leave the door open, and so that was a big step. But then when they found out that, like, there's still somebody else we're waiting for, so I'm doing all my persuasiveness. Like, she'll be right here, I promise. She's running, and I, I don't know. I wanted to come up with stuff. She's pregnant, I, I but I couldn't. I didn't. I wanted to. And then around the corner, like, chariots of fire, man, wind blowing. She just, she, 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 she comes there And here's the crazy thing. I was in a panic. She was smiling. This was like an adventure for her. This was like, will we catch the plane or not? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Because we, div- <laughs> we have different ideas about margin is what this is. Right? We, 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 we're late because we didn't give ourselves enough margin. We didn't create enough buffer space. We didn't put any breathing room beti- between the departure time and the time we boarded the plane there was just there was just no margin there right and here's the thing as you can tell we're all different we're all on different ends of the spectrum and it is totally fine if there's just a little bit of an adventure for if you get a little adrenaline bump from running through the airport like this guy it's totally fine if this is the way you move through the airport right we're all different we're all different here's the thing it's not okay It's not okay if this is the way, put that picture back up for me. It's not okay if this is the way you move through your life. It's not okay if your finances are so close to the edge that one thing goes wrong, one pop tire, your air conditioner breaks down, your lawnmower breaks and and that throws you out for the rest of the month, right? It's not okay if you're, if you're that close to the edge when it comes to your finances. It's not okay if your schedule in general, if this is the way you move through your every day of your week, where you've just got your life so packed... There's so much going on that there's no room. If one thing goes wrong, if there's traffic, if the Uber driver is slow, if anything goes wrong, you've got no room to breathe, right? It's, it's not okay if that's your, It's not okay if your relationships are so jumbled, so packed, that when somebody calls you and says, Hey, I need to talk to you. I'm going through something, that you have no margin for them. It's not okay for this to be your life it's not okay because here's what happens when we don't have margin in our life when we don't have margin in our life we experience about three things and there are more but these are three main things the first one is that our stress increases some of you are actually my heart's kind of beating a little fast right now just from looking at that guy as he's as he's looking at his phone and got the briefcase right Our stress level increases when there's no margin. When you don't have margin in your finances, when you don't have margin in your relationships, when you don't have margin in your time, when you don't have margin in your schedule, when everything is packed to the hill, like from a.m. to p.m., and you barely have time, your stress levels just increase. And when your stress levels increase, that leads to number two, your relationships get strained. Have you ever noticed that when when you have no margin, you're just edgy? Have you ever noticed when the person next to you, ha- I'm sorry, has, when the person next to you has no margin, they just get edgy? Can we just, right? This is true. When, when, when we don't have margin, when we're stressed, then, then the nature of our relationships gets shallower. We start to talk in a more curt way, in a less kind, in a less generous way. And this causes, number three, our joy to decrease. The, the joy in our life just drains out because we just don't have margin. We don't have breathing room. So the question is, why do we do this to ourselves? And I I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm guilty. So let me just start with this. I'm guilty of all of that at different times in my life. I'm guilty of having no margin in my finances. I'm guilty at times of having no margin in my schedule. I'm guilty of having almost no margin in my relationships. I've done this, right? All of us have done this. Why do we do this? Some of us may say, well, this is just a busy season. And that might be true. We might be in a busy season. That might be, there might be some merit to that idea. Some of us might say, hey, th- this is just the world we live in now. This just, it's just a busier world. The whole culture, this is just how it is. And that's true. That is true. There's a lot going on, right? But that's not, that's not all of it. I believe that underneath it all, I would propose to you that underneath our desire to pack everything in, financially, time, relationships, underneath that is one word and that is fear fear you say what do you mean by fear how does fear have to do with the lack of margin well we fear things and in in and when we fear we try to we try to uh, overcome our fear by packing so much into our life so that the fear is sort of pushed away i'll tell you what i mean the first kind of fear that we experience is what i'm calling fear of missing out some of you know this FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. If I don't check my post on Instagram and somebody responded to me and I don't say something back to them right now. So it's a fear that like if I don't do something, then this will happen. It's a fear of of missing out. If I don't go to that meeting, then what if I don't get that promotion? If I don't study every hour of the day, what if I don't get an A on my exam at college? It's a fear of missing out. Something else is going on, and I need to be a part of it. I'm afraid that if I don't, if I'm not a part of it, my life is somehow diminished as a result. The other one is a fear of missing expectations. Sometimes these are your expectations. Sometimes these are other people's expectations. Failed expectations. When, years ago, back in, back in the day when they had Blackberries. There used to be There used to be a, a device called a BlackBerry. <laughs> And then there were also 8-tracks. And, um, and blackberries, they would call them crackberries because you would be addicted to them. You would just, you would just like, I, I had a crackberry when I was working at a, at a different job. And my wife and I would go to lunch on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday we would go to lunch. And my crackberry would be on the table. Because if one of my bosses texted me or emailed me, I don't know if we texted back, but they, if they emailed me, it would show up on my Crackberry. I mean, I was literally ready to bound out of, the, out of the restaurant, run up Washington Avenue to my job and handle whatever needed to be handled. With my wife and kid, my first child, sitting at Wasabi Sushi Restaurant on Washington, right? Because, because it was the fear of failed expectations. They expect me to respond right now. What if I fail their expectations? It's a fear of missing out. And then the third fear is what I'm calling the fear of irrelevance. It's the fear that, like, if I don't get everything that I want or do everything that I think I'm supposed to do, then does my life matter? Do I even matter? Does my life count if I don't fill it to the brim with all of the stuff that I think I need to fill it with? That's what it is. It's fear. At the bottom of all of this is fear. Years ago, I listened to a sermon by a guy named Andy Stanley. His sermon was called Breathing Room. This is the first time I heard this principle of margin from the Scripture. And the, and the, the sermon, I think he preached it in 2013, had such a deep impact on me because I'd never heard the concept before. I didn't know, you know, I ne- just never never heard it and never heard anybody preach on it. And it, it just resonated so deeply with me that I adapted the sermon, I brought it to One Family Church, I preached it here, and then I preached on the topic again a few years ago. And I, I really want to bring this back to you today, this concept of margin, because what I've, two things, one is if you get it, it transforms your life. I mean, just, I'm just telling you, not like more than almost anything else, it fundamentally shifts your life. That's number one. Number two is I discovered something as I was studying for this week. I discovered that there's even more to it than than what I heard preached. There's even a deeper layer to it. There's a mystery to margin that I didn't realize was there over the years. So I just want to spend some time on this. One of the things that Andy Stanley says on it, he says, Our fear of not mattering can drive us away from what matters most. In other words, what if you answer every email but you don't spend time with your family? What if you buy everything you ever wanted, but you miss out on contentment and peace in your heart? What if you have 10,000 followers on Instagram, but when somebody that you love says, hey, can I have your time? You don't have time for them. Jesus said like this, what does it profit a man? To gain the whole world and to lose his own soul. Now, how do we get out of this problem? If at the if at the base of this problem, the, the fact that we pack our lives so tight, if at the base of it is fear, if at the base of it it is a fear issue, then the solution is a faith solution. If there's a fear problem, there's a faith solution because it turns out We're not the first human beings on the planet to struggle with this. About 1,400 years before the time of Jesus, the Israelites were in Egypt. And they were under the oppressive hand of the Pharaoh, an authoritarian ruler. And they were slaves in Egypt. And they had no margin, they had no control over their time, they had no control over their money. And they had no control over their relationships. You think, of, you, think in, in, you think in Egypt an Israelite could say, you know what, I just need a me day. I just need a little personal time. No. If you took a moment to lean against the rake, you're going to get a whip across the back. You had no ability to dictate rest. You just worked. You worked 24. You worked when you were told to work. You worked 24-7. You didn't build margin into your life. If, if you were a slave in Egypt and you had a crumb of bread that you found, you're not going to think, well, let me just, I've got some margin here, right? You're going to either eat it immediately, you're going to eat up everything, you're going to spend whatever you get, or you're going to hoard it, you're going to save it and hide it because no, somebody might come and take it from you, right? So you had no ability, you had no control over your time or over your money. You didn't even have control over your relationships, Pharaoh said, hey, I'm going to take your son. I'm going to put him over in this other land to go build, you know, a building over there. You had no control over, over what happened there. So you just had, the Israelites had no control. And God sent Moses to Egypt to say, let my people go. And he brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey. But he said, look, if you want to flourish, then I need to teach you a new way to live. It's a new way to live because all your life you've just been grinding. You've just been cranking. And I need to teach you how to flourish as a people. And so God gave his law. And sometimes we think of God's law as this, like, oppressive thing. But it wasn't. It was designed for human flourishing. It was designed for people to expand and to experience the goodness and the joy and the hope that life can bring when you're following God's word. And so he, he brought them three principles, three laws. The first law is called the law of the Sabbath. You're familiar with this idea. The Sabbath is a day of rest. God taught the Israelites. He said, here's what I want you to do. Friday at sundown, put down your work. Make some dinner. Light some candles. Pray. Spend some time with your family. Hang out with them all day Saturday. Read the word of God. Spend time in the synagogue. Relax. And then Saturday night, okay, fine. Back, back to whatever you want to do, and you get back to work. But you got to take a day off. Now, imagine you've been 400 years in Egypt. You've been 400 years under bondage. You've been 400 years where you've been told, don't you even dare look up from your work. And the God of gods who's liberated you says, no, 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 if you really want to prosper, you need to take a day and rest. In fact, this is the mystery of it. This is where the paradox comes in. This is, this is the stuff that I didn't know the last time I preached on this topic. There's actually a paradoxical truth on all of the principles that I'm going to teach you. And it's the same paradox we learned from Proverbs. Listen to this. This is from Isaiah chapter 58, 13 and 14. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath. In other words, if you... if This is a conditional promise. If you don't work, if you keep your feet from... If you really relax... And take a day of rest. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, from doing as you please on my holy day, there's a conditional response. This is what will happen. Then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land, and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. Do you understand what God is doing here? He is is assuaging their fear. Because what their fear is, is if I rest, then I starve. If I rest, then I die. He says, no, if you die, don't, if you rest, then you're going to experience the joy of the Lord. You're going to experience the feast. You're going to experience abundance. You're going to experience prospering. Why? Here's what he's trying to teach them. I want you to know that I love you and that you can trust me. I want you to know that there's plenty for you. I want you to know that you don't have to do all of this on your own. You don't have to make the world work on your own. I want you to pause And I want you to rest. And when you do, you experience a joy in that. I want to encourage us as a church. Now, we don't need to do this in any kind of legal sense, but find time to rest. Find time to stop the emails, to stop the noise, to stop the social media, to stop the text messaging, to stop the calls, to stop all of the stuff that's outside of the immediacy of where you are. And spend some time with God and the people that you love. Pause and rest. Some of you say, how do I do this? I'm going to give you something really practical this morning. It's a new feature that I discovered on the iPhone. They might have it on the Android as well. I'm not sure. But there's this button on the side. And what you do is you hold this button down. And then this other button comes up, and it's got this slide, and you just slide it over like that. And then the thing just turns off. It's friggin' amazing. And you put it in a drawer, and you leave it alone. God says, look, I want you to pause and I want you to rest. Why? Because I want you to trust me. I want you to have faith. I want you to stop being afraid of missing out. I want you to stop being afraid of other people's expectations and your expectations. I want you to be uh, stop being afraid of all of the stuff that makes you afraid. I want you to put your trust in me and rest. Rest. That was the first law. The second law was called the law of the tithe. This is the law of the tithe. This is the one that makes everybody nervous. Right? But imagine this. God is speaking to a group of people who have never owned anything. Everything they had their hand on belonged to Pharaoh. And so anytime you got something, you had two choices. And just after hundreds of years, this just becomes who you are. And what you're going to do is you're either going to spend it immediately because you know it will be taken from you if you don't. Or you're going to hoard it. You're going to hide it. You're going to bury it so that nobody can have it except you. And you know it's there, but nobody else knows it. And God says, you know what? Let me actually teach you about how to, how to handle stuff that comes into your possession. And then he says the most counterintuitive thing. He says, I want you to give the first portion of that away. I want you to give the first portion of it away. Give it away to something that is bigger than you. Pour it out for some benefit that is greater than you. And he has to convince them of this. And so just like on the Sabbath, when he gives a conditional promise, he does it again with this promise. Listen to this in Malachi. He says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. When he's talking about tithe, he's talking about 10% of what people generate, whether it's flocks or you know animals or, or wheat or corn or grapes or whatever it is. Bring 10% of it into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. In other words, This is for the benefit of religious practices, religious services, feeding the poor, doing missions work, all of that stuff. Bring it in so that there will be food in my house. Then he says, test me, try it, try me, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open up the floodgates, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You see what he's saying? He's saying there's a paradox here. The one who pours out, they expand. The one who holds back, you're going you're to shrink and shrivel. He's saying, look, don't be like Pharaoh. Pharaoh gave you nothing. Pharaoh was the least generous human being that you could ever imagine. He says, I'm your God now. Pour this out and see your life expand. Pour it out and watch your life. If you're cynical or skeptical about this principle, and I know people are because people have abused the principle, they've abused finances, we, we know all of this. If you're skeptical or cynical about this principle, find a generous person. Go find a generous person and say, can you teach me about generosity? What are, the, what are the benefits of generosity? What does generosity look like in your life? Find anybody. They don't even have to be a Christian because the principle is true whether you're a believer or not. It works in the secular world. It works in the... There's a principle that when your heart is open and when you have an attitude of generosity and you're willing to pour out, then your life expands and God blesses you. It's just a truth. It's just a reality. So find somebody. One of the things, and I believe this in my heart of hearts, one of the reasons I believe One Family Church has been such a blessed church family is because from the very beginning, we are a giving church. From the very beginning, we give... uh, You know this. Many of you already know this. From the very beginning, which is in our bylaws, we give away at least 10% of what is given to the church. Unrestricted income or unrestricted giving that comes to the church, at least 10% of it goes back out. Always has. And what is amazing about that is that it, those are the, my favorite checks to write. Every quarter, our missions teams come together. We have our missions and our outreach people, and we go, let's just bless people today. Let's just bless this work we don't benefit from that. We go, let's just bless them that are, that are doing this great work throughout St. Louis and around the world and around the country. Let's bless them. And we've just seen God bless One Family Church because there's a, there's a principle at work. There's a paradox at work. There's a mystery at work. A year ago, we launched a Beyond campaign. Some of you remember the Beyond campaign. It's a two-year giving initiative. And a generosity initiative where we encourage people. We were buying the Tivoli. We're renovating the Tivoli, as you can see as you're coming in. We're doing renovations down at Shaw. We totally upgraded the um, the control room upstairs so that we can broadcast to Shaw and to other locations. And so we had this initiative where we said, look, let's, let's all come together. Let's give at a level that we haven't given before. And let's just see what God does. Let's expand the, the amount that we can give away. Let's pay down this purchase let's 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 renovate this place let's really do what what God wants us to do let's just reach beyond ourselves and I, I just want to tell you I, I mentioned this the other day but I, I want to get it really clear to you at this point in the one so we're one year in so this is our one- year anniversary at at this point those who have pledged are at 90 percent of what they said they would be at this time a year ago what that means and this is amazing I don't know if any of you have ever been part of a capital campaign or anything like that but when, 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 when there are pledges, there's always this amount where like somebody loses their job, somebody moves, you know, some people can't honor their pledge. But when 90% of that pledge is being honored, that's just, to me, mind-blowing. Just absolutely mind-blowing. It's incredible. And not only that, there are a number of people that didn't pledge. They said, you know, I'm not comfortable. I don't, maybe I don't know what the future looks like, and I'm not ready to make a pledge. The people who did not make a pledge are still giving at, right now at 108% of what they were giving before. Meaning, even those who did not make a pledge said, I just want to give more. I want to pour out. I want to be more generous. And then here's the crazy one. We First of all, we've had 215 new members join the church in the last year, in the last 12 months. 215 new members. And, of course, that was unexpected. Um, and they're giving at a, at, a, at, a, at a rate that has got us so on track with this initiative that it just blows my mind. And I am not, anybody who knows me, our trustees know, I'm not a fundraiser guy. That's not my spiritual strength. That's not my wheelhouse. But I just believe in this truth, that when we are generous people, when we pour out ourselves, when we're willing to live it ourselves, God says, let me just pour some blessing back into you. So let me just challenge you on this. If, if you have not experienced that blessing in your life, if you are financially strapped, if you are financially stuck, let me challenge you, give something away. Give a portion away. You go, man, I can't do 10%. Try 1%. Try a half percent. Give something away on a regular faithful basis. And if you don't want to give it to one family church because you think the church is you know, "Ah," give to something else. Give to the United Way. Give to the Boys and Girls Club of Give to something else but give something away and watch God th- throw open the floodgates of heaven and bless you as a result. That's what, that's what he's, he's teaching them. He's saying, I'm going to teach you. You've got to rest, right? You've got to put margin in your schedule. You've got to put margin in your money, meaning, meaning you're giving that at the front. It's the first fruit, not the leftover. You're putting the margin at the front. I'm going to give this away, and then I'm going to live on the rest. That's the margin. There's a buffer. You're saying, hey, I don't need to spend all of that. He says, that's what I want you to do with your money. And then the third one blows my mind. This is the last one. This is called the law of gleaning. The law of gleaning. And this one just will blow your mind because this is one a lot of us don't, don't, aren't familiar with. When the slaves, Israelite slaves, were in Egypt, if you left a stalk of wheat on the ground and didn't pick it up and put it in with Pharaoh's stuff, man, that would just be almost punishable by death. Because that's my money, Pharaoh's money, right? So you would never leave a stalk of wheat on the ground. You would, you would go back through the field and make sure you got everything. You'd go back through the grapevine and make sure you got everything. You'd go back, you would make sure you got everything and, gave, and, gave that to, to, and give that to Pharaoh. And God says, actually, in my economy, in the nation that I'm building, if I want you to flourish, I'm going to teach you a brand new principle and a brand new truth. I'm going to teach you something wildly different. Here it is. Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 22. Some of you may not know this. You've never, maybe even never seen this. Here's what God says. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf of wheat, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. And it's conditional. Why? So that the Lord God, your God, may bless you and all of the work of your hands. Can you just pause on this for a minute? God says, look, man, if you will leave something on the table, if you will be generous and hospitable to other people, if you will not try to get everything you can get, if you will leave something for somebody else who needs something, if you're willing to share of yourself and your life and your resources with other people, I will bless you. I will bless the work of your hands if you do that. And, I mean, this, is, this has got to be mind-blowing for them. Because they're going, what? Leave a grape on the vine? Listen to this. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. He says, leave some there for other people. Be hospitable. Be generous in your relationships. Be generous to those in need. Be hospitable to leave them something. And then he says something that just blows my mind when I read it. It just, it brought, me to, it just, it just brought me to tears when I read it. And then I read it to my wife and I started crying again. It's just, I'm not going to cry today. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All cried out. And this is the way he ends this passage. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. The reason, I'm like, well, wait, how, how does that tie in with what you just said? And what he's saying is, first of all, he's saying, wouldn't it have been nice if somebody left a little something extra for you? Wouldn't that have been nice when you were a slave in Egypt? If somebody said, hey, I'm going to leave a grape behind because they, you know, I'm going to leave some wheat behind so they can make some bread. Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that have been nice? That's one thing he's saying. You know what else he's saying? Don't be like Pharaoh. Don't become what you hate. When you got free now, don't you become like him. Don't do that. Don't be somebody who just has to take and take and take. Make sure you're leaving something behind. And then the third thing I think he's saying when he says that, he's saying, hey, I've, I've liberated you now. I put you in a new land. And guess what? I want you to trust me. I've got enough for you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own the whole, every, every grape is mine. Every sheaf of wheat is mine. I'll give you what you need. So stop trying to grab it all for yourself. Stop trying to fill your time and, and your money. And stop, stop. Let some go. Create some margin. Then we fast forward. And I'm going to close, I promise. We're, we fast forward 1,400 years from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus. And Moses came to set the Israelites free from Physical bondage. Jesus came free came to set us free from spiritual bondage. And he teaches the exact same thing. Some of you, most of you, if you've been in church, will know this scripture, but I want you to hear it in light of this. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says this. Jesus says, Don't worry. (laughs) What's he saying? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of missing out. Don't be afraid of expectations. Don't be afraid that there's not enough. Do not worry about your life, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Will there be enough? Don't worry about that. He said, the pagans run after those. The Egyptians run after the people who don't know that there's a loving God that owns everything and will bless you. They run after those. I love the word run because I go back to this at the airport, right? They run after. they've got to go chase everything, because they don't know that there's enough. They don't know they have a heavenly Father. They run after those, those things. Don't be like them. Don't run after this. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows what you need. So what do I do then? He says, "Seek first the kingdom of God." What does that mean? That means first. That means time. God first. Money, God first. Relationships, God first. Emotions, God first. Obedience, God first. Commitments, God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything that you need will be added to you. It's a paradox. It's a mystery. It will blow your mind. It will change your life. If you get a hold of this reality. So my challenge to you today is where do you need margin? Where do you need margin? Do you need margin in your schedule because you're just running around like crazy? Pause and give some time to God and watch how your time expands. Watch how the things that aren't that important start to you start to realize they're not that important. They start to fall off your schedule because they don't matter. Do you need margin in your finances? Give something to God. Give something away. And what happens is you realize that a lot of the stuff that's gobbling up your life, you don't need. You don't need to spend your money on that. It's keeping you in bondage. And you're free now. You don't have to gobble up everything that you have or you don't have to hoard everything that you have. You can give some away and watch. God will bless you. In your relationships, do you need margin in your relationships because you're edgy and it's strained and everything is tight right now? Pause and give some time to somebody that you love. Turn off the phone. Sit down with somebody. Look them in the eye and say, hey, I'm here for you. I want to I I I be with you. I want to spend time with you. Watch your life expand when you have margin. My challenge for us as a church is let's do this in every aspect of our life. Let's be these people. Let's be free people. Let's move out of fear. Let's move into faith. Let's see what a good and loving father will do in us, for us and through us when we put our trust in him. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. You're so good, God. Wow, you're so good. You challenge us and you call us to do things that seem mysterious and paradoxical, but your truth is forever and never fails. I pray that fear would dissipate out of the hearts of those who are Anxious and fearful today. I pray that we would stop running after the things that, that those who do not know they have a heavenly father run after. I pray that we would trust you. We would put our faith in you. We would open up our lives and build margin into our time and our money and our relationships. And we would experience the joy that you promise your people. We would experience the joy and the gladness that we would be refreshed that we would grow, that we would be enlarged, that we would prosper as you teach us that we will. Let us, God, be examples, primary examples in this city of what it means to be a generous church. Let other churches follow suit. Let the community around us say, my God, what are those people doing? That's counterintuitive, but we just pour out because we are lovers of you and lovers of those you've called us to serve. Let us be a blessing to others let us refresh others and be refreshed by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.